defend the fundamental rights of all parents to raise their children and firmly believe children belong to their families, not the state, not the teachers, the teachers union, or any other bureaucrat. I invite you to visit our website, parentsrightsined.org. Sign up to receive our news alerts. If you're interested in making a difference in your local area, you can begin right away. Parents' Rights in Education has a free, turnkey, grassroots opportunity. And we're looking for parents in every school district to join our efforts. Visit our page on the website titled, Join Us. Fill out the information there, then take a look at the chapter affiliation agreement. All you need to do is fill it out, sign, and return to us. Once received and processed, you will be contacted. That's it. Together, we will stop the erosion of parents' rights in education. Hey guys, this is Suzanne Gallagher, and I'm so excited to be back with you today. Oh my gosh, what a week last week, and and I apologize, I haven't been in communication. I've been speaking to groups and um, just, you know, out there fighting for you, right? Fighting for you and waking up parents, especially in Portland, Oregon, and places beyond. So, we have some catching up to do. Remember that that infamous letter from the National School Board Association followed up by President Biden himself uh, contacting uh, Merrick Garland, his attorney general, to go after parents, calling them domestic terrorists. Oh, my gosh. They served up to us on a silver platter exactly what they think of parents, and they will never be able to change our understanding of what they think of us. Right, guys? So the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, uh, it, with, his, with his attack on parents, uh, created such a firestorm. It is just wild. Senator Josh Hawley demands that Merrick Garland resign. In addition, uh, others like Mark Levin and, I mean, you name it, every single talk show in this country has been covering this crazy and wild assertion that you, that you and I are domestic terrorists. And he's calling upon the FBI to investigate us. We couldn't have asked for more. Absolutely not. Now, since then, we have learned that Attorney General Garland's son-in-law is Zan Tanner. That's spelled X-A-N, Tanner, who is the co-founder and president of Panorama Education. Panorama Education sells surveys to local school districts across the country and these surveys focus on the local, quote, social and emotion climate, unquote. Now, in my book, that qualifies as social emotional learning. These surveys are then used as justification for a new curriculum that some parents call critical race theory. And we find that objectionable. 
So Tanner's company has a large footprint with contracts in 50 plus of the nation's 100 largest school districts. The company describes its business as supporting 13 million students in 23,000 schools in 1,500 districts across 50 states. An article that I'm reading here, I'll put the link to it uh, in the show notes, um, states that they raised $76 million from powerful investors since 2017. In 2017, Panorama raised $16 million in a private funding led by Emerson Collective, with participation from Spark Capital, Al Ventures, Softech VC, and guess who? Chan Zuckerberg. The Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, which is owned by none other than Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, and his wife Priscilla Chan. The capital raised, along with the changing political landscape, likely helped Panorama grow from 400 school systems in 2017 to 1,500 systems today, nearly five times the size in business. Then, just last month, four weeks before the Garland Directive to the FBI, Panorama closed on a $60 million private financing raise with venture capital from General Electric, excuse me, from General Atlantic. According to the press release, existing investors, Al Ventures, Emerson Collective, Uncork Capital, CZI, and Tau Capital Partners also participated. In the Open the Books government expenditure library posted online, there are at least $27 million in payments to Panorama from states, school districts, and local boards of education across 21 states between the years 2017 and 2020. Contracts with the New York City Department of Education, Dallas Independent School District, Seattle Public Schools District of Columbia, and the San Francisco Unified School District are showcased in company materials and are known. However, records posted by our auditors at OpenTheBooks.com reveal that school districts in Texas, Michigan, Florida, Indiana, Rhode Island, Oregon, Iowa, Utah, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Georgia, New Mexico, Illinois, Wyoming, California, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maine, Virginia, and Ohio all hired Panorama Education for training and or surveys. And guess who really is paying the bill, you guys? Guess who? Us, taxpayers. These are expensive surveys. In 2017, the contract between Panorama and Arlington Public Schools in Virginia was for three school-wide surveys over a five-year period costing taxpayers $288,750. 
built into the 28-page contract is an expensive fee schedule. For example, there are 345 hours billed at $250 an hour for consultants to design surveys and render, quote, analysis and reporting, unquote. Project managers bill at a rate of $125 an hour for 1,230 hours. The Arlington Social and Emotional Climate Survey is posted online. Questions include, quote, how clearly do you see your culture and history reflected in your school? Unquote. And, quote, how often do you feel that you are treated poorly by other students because of your race, ethnicity, gender, family's income, religion, disability, or sexual orientation, unquote. I want to remind you that it is illegal for these schools to be giving students surveys without their parents' written permission. That is federal law. The article goes on giving specific numbers, and I will post this article link in my show notes. The point is, follow the money. Isn't it fascinating how conveniently this all fell together? Hmm. That letter, that letter by the National School Board Association sent to the president of the United States sent on Wednesday, September 29th. And then that was followed up by a directive by Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, on the following Monday, October 4th, less than a week later, to the FBI and other similar agencies to investigate parents at school board meetings. You got it. Something ain't right. And it goes on, and I have some other follow-up letters, which are very fascinating. They think that they can appease us, but they will not. Then, nine days later, Four out of eight members of the United States Commission on Civil Rights sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, ripping him for his ridiculous memo in which he labeled parents who protest at school board meetings over the indoctrination of their kids with the disease of so-called critical race theory and vaccination mandates. Here's the letter. Dear Mr. Attorney General, We, as four members of the eight-member U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and not on behalf of the Commission as a whole, we write to express our concerns regarding a recent memorandum issued by your office. On October 4th, you directed the Department to meet in the next 30 days with federal, state, tribal, territorial, and local law enforcement leaders to discuss strategies for addressing this disturbing trend of an increase in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school board members. The department has indicated that it will create specializing in training and guidance for local school boards and school administrators, and this training will help school board members and other potential victims understand the type of behavior that constitutes threats, how to report threatening conduct to the appropriate law enforcement agencies, and how to capture and preserve evidence of threatening conduct to aid in the investigation and prosecution 
of these crimes. Your memorandum echoes claims made by the National School Boards Association in a September 29th letter addressed to the president in which the NSBA asks, quote, for federal law enforcement and other assistant to deal with a growing number of threats of violence and acts of intimidation occurring across the nation, unquote. The NSBA noted that these acts of intimidation could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes, unquote. Your memorandum did not cite any specific examples of, quote, harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence, unquote, that would provide any basis for law enforcement action of the department. And we are concerned that much of what the NSBA calls threats and acts of intimidation and compares to, quote, domestic terrorism and hate crimes, unquote, can be merely classified as political speech. For example, a parent concerned with a local school board policy may portend an electoral challenge against an incumbent school board member. Such a challenge would be well within the parent's First Amendment rights and well within the department's purview as a federal law enforcement agency. We have combed the internet for signs that parents petitioning school boards are anything approaching a national problem. Nearly all of what we have seen so far makes us proud to be Americans. Parents care about the education of their children, and they are not willing to allow them to be indoctrinated into a radical ideology. It is always possible that a few of these parents have gotten out of hand and made threats that they should not have. If so... Law enforcement is entirely appropriate, but is there evidence that state and local law enforcement is not up to the job? Why is federal intervention needed here and not in the thousands of other unrelated cases of overheated exchanges that occur regularly across the country? And why does this case call for federal intervention? Is it surprising to you that concerned parents across the country view your memorandum as an endorsement of the NSBA's description of their protests as comparable to domestic terrorism, we now ask you to provide us with specific examples of, quote, harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence, unquote, that you purport allow for law enforcement action and an explanation of why this is a situation that calls for federal intervention in particular. We look forward to your timely response. And this is signed by Peter Kersenow, J. Christian Adams, Gail Harriot, and Stephen Gilchrist. Very well written letter, and we endorse it. And finally, to follow up on these other letters is the latest one. From the National School Board Association, suddenly they came to their senses, supposedly. Although I don't trust them. I don't really believe them. They apologized. Sorry, guys. Too little, too late. That apology letter came exactly one week after the letter from the members of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Now, when I told you at the beginning of this podcast that they served us up a huge opportunity on a silver platter, beginning with the original letter from the National School Board Association accusing parents of infringing upon the rights of the school board. 
the school board, which is elected by the community. We saw this coming, you guys. We saw it coming two years ago, and we created a proclamation establishing the relationship between the community, the parents in the community, and the school board. Developing this relationship so that the school board will affirm the rights of parents to be involved in policy making regarding policies that affect their children in the public schools. That's what this whole discussion is about today. Parents' rights to affect the policies that are made by their elected officials. I'm going to direct you to our website. I want you to go there and read up, listen to the video. We're going to replace that. We have to, we have to come up with a new one, but it's still the same policy. And that is a proclamation affirming parents' rights and calling November Parents' Rights in Education Month. And I want you to take that proclamation to your school district, to your school board. Ask them to pass this proclamation stating that they affirm the rights of parents to be involved in policymaking. We're going to continue this discussion next time, but this is it. It's our chance. Present this to your school board. We'd love to have you join us. Please fill out the form on our website called Join Us. Oh, and one last thing. Would you be willing to support us financially? We are 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. And that means that you can take a tax deduction for any amount you give. I encourage you to join the 12 by 12 club. That's $12 a month for 12 months. If you do that, you will receive a complimentary parent guide as long as supplies last. Go to our website, parentsrightsined.org, and click on the donate button. Thanks so much for joining us and helping us do what we do here. This is Suzanne Gallagher, and this is Parents' Rights Now. <laughs>